Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and I'm here today with guest co-host Big Al the Lawyer and we are here for the review episode number 19, Dune Adventures in the Imperium. So Big Al, welcome to the show. Hey, it's uh, good to be back. I, um, I'm happy to be here and ready to talk about Dune Adventures into the Imperium. Fantastic. So um, now you've been around the Academy for a while now. You you know were a listener. Hopefully you still are. You're a patron. Hopefully you still are. Uh, you've been very active on the Discord. We've we ran some games together. I've ran some. You played. You ran some. I've played. We're currently in a streaming game together that someone else is running. So it's. I think it's right to say that you are certainly part of the RPG Academy family, if not extended family. Uh, but this, and I think you've been on some podcasts with us before too, but I think this is the first time you've ever done like an official, I'm using air quotes for those that can't see, an official thing for the Academy because you did a review for us. So I want to give people a chance who maybe don't know you to get to know you a little bit better, get to know a little bit of your sensibilities when it comes to role-playing games and like where you're coming from. So tell me everything there is to know about you in 30 words or less. <laughs> um, I don't know that I have enough time in 30 words or less. Um, <laughs> So my day job is as a prosecuting attorney in um, in Texas. So I'm very, very busy. I came into gaming very late in life, um, like maybe eight years ago, maybe nine. I don't know why I did not before then, because clearly this is, you know, my people. But uh, I did not realize they were my people until now. So that is why it took so long to get into gaming for me. I don't really have a preferred system uh, simply because I haven't played enough of enough for me to say this is exactly what I like to play. Um, I do like narrative games a little bit over crunchy games. And that's primarily, I think you, you're probably aware of this because we've played together. I really get into the role-playing aspect of my characters, probably more than the uh, dice rolling or the, you know, the, the rule-based aspects of those characters. So I do like narrative systems, which puts Dune right up my alley. And then Dune itself, just to give you a little brief uh, background on my experiences with Dune, I was introduced to the world of Dune through a art of Dune type of book that my father had when I was growing up. And it was pictures from the 1984 um, movie which some people think is horrible, but since it was my first introduction to the world, I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it went from looking through this picture book to seeing that movie to finally reading the book, probably in the early nineties to mid nineties. Um, and I loved it. And I've been a fan of Dune ever since. Okay. Well, again, thank you very much for sharing with us and for, you know, being a part of the Academy. Uh, and at this point, I would say a friend, hopefully you would agree as well, that um, when I was on our Discord, and again, this would be another shout out for the Discord, I just basically said, hey, I got a copy of this Dune book. I don't have time with a catacon and other things going on to do a review. Would anyone like to do a review? And you're like, yeah love to. Uh, makes sense now that I know you're a, a big Dune fan. I didn't necessarily know that at the time. But yeah, so you've had a chance to look at the PDF. You've read through it. You've had it for a few weeks now. There's some other things got in the way that were totally fine, but you've had it for a while. You've had a chance to go through it pretty much in depth, but you haven't played it. So I do want to make sure we're clear about that. You haven't had a chance to actually run the system. 
So everything we're going to review today is going to be based off of the read through, not an actual play. We're going to do this the way we normally do. So we have our same Rubicon as far as the art layout, fluff, crunch, and overall. But you're the only one on the show today that has read it. So you're going to be doing kind of a solo. So um, we'll start with art and layout. Now, we kind of combine these together, but they are two different things. So I guess we'll start with art. What do you think about the art of this book? I generally like the art of this book, um, but I will say that it it is it's kind of monotone after a while. It's very it's very epic in scope. So many of these pictures that you're that are featured in the in the book are very large, even if they're not even if they're even if they're not large images in terms of the actual space that they take, you know, even if they're not a castle, even if they're just two people fighting, the way they're presented is still very epic so that those two people are fighting in this huge space. And you can always tell that everything is huge um, within the con within the concept of this book. And so for that reason, I really like it because it really it kicks into the idea of Dune as a very vast place, a big, big, big sandbox that you can play in. And that's, you know, the tone is set very early by virtue of this art. The negative of this same idea of these pictures being very similar in scope and in composition is that because they're very similar in scope and in composition, they become repetitive. So there is a moment if you're just reading straight through and you're seeing pictures and you're saying, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. There's going to be a moment at some point where you're going to start kind of gazing over those a little bit, kind of skipping them just a little bit because the colors are all the same. You know, I think everybody is aware of the, Zack Snyder jokes about his palette of tone and color. That's kind of what you have. <laughs> okay. It's, it's as though Zack Snyder took over the art direction. Uh, so if you like Zack Snyder, you're going to love this art. And I like Zack Snyder, <laughs> right. but it is, it does become repetitive. Uh, and so that would be the negative part of it. Now, just as uh, far as like how, you know, I, I think art direction is one of the things a lot of people comment on, I know Tom, when he's on these, he talks a lot about that, that um, you want the images to feel like they're all part of the same whole, the same world, the same universe, the same game. So I can see that there's a balance people would try to strike in. Uh, they want the pictures to feel like they're all part of the same world. But in your case, you're saying that almost they're too similar and so they you know I, for whatever whoever decided to walk the line for you they walked a little bit too much on the the sameness versus the the variety uh but overall how many like are there is the book full of images is it like every page every other page is it like chapter breaks have a full page like with just the the amount of art how much would you say there is and is there a lot enough not enough too much what do you think about that there is a lot of art I would say that you get a picture at least every two to three pages, if not more than that. There are large pieces of art between chapter breaks. And the art goes beyond the images, I would say, to some of the conceptions of sig sigils for houses and other signs and symbolism that kind of 
symbols rather that kind of make their way into the the book as well. So there is a lot and and it's really cool that there's a lot, but because there's a lot, I think that is kind of where you probably have a bit of the fallout in terms of where you're talking about, for me, it's just a little bit too close to the line uh, in going perhaps over into a more monotonous way. I don't think that it quite crosses that line. I just think it's really close. Gotcha. Okay. And then the other section here we kind of talk about is layout. And this is sort of just what we're talking about here is, you know, how the book is presented the structure of the material that's presented to the reader, how easy it is for you to navigate through the book. You know, does things make sense chronologically and orderly? Do they reference each other back? Also, just how does the book look in terms of like, you know, spacing and where the art falls into the uh, text? And then are there any like, you know, page number graphics that are included? All that kind of good stuff. I am no expert at layout at all. Again, Tom usually kind of does the heavy lifting there. But what did you think of the layout of this book? So I love Dungeons and Dragons because Dungeons and Dragons is like the base for all this. It's not, but it is, especially when you're kind of getting into it late, like I did. I have only read one Dungeons and Dragons book from beginning to end. And the reason for that is that all their layouts suck. They are small words, they're condensed, there is too much information that's presented on one page. Dune is not that. Dune's layout is very, very good. There is an appropriate amount of information that's presented on a page. The pages, when they begin to become overwrought with information, you have breaks, and those breaks will either be pictures that are inserted. A lot of the pictures in this book are not full page pictures, but whether they break up a section so that you have a picture at the bottom of a page or a picture at the top of the page, and it just gives your eyes a rest, um, which gives your mind a rest, which allows you to take in that information without going into overload or to overdrive. So I really like the way this is laid out. The way that it's structured in terms of chapters is good. It starts out with a bunch of lore, which is very important because many people are not familiar with Dune. And even if they are familiar with Dune, they're familiar with it in a very limited capacity. There are people that have just seen the 1984 movie. I feel sorry for those people because the book is so much better, but you know, that's, that's their introduction. There's probably people that have only seen that storybook that I saw that introduced me to the world. And they're like, well, this is really cool art. This is really cool pictures and images, but I don't know anything about Dune. And then there's me who has read all of the original Frank Herbert books with the exception of Heretics. I couldn't get into it. I know it makes me heretical myself, but I've read all the original Frank Herbert books, but I've not read any of the stuff that's come afterwards And the stuff that's come afterwards really sets up a lot of the information that you see in this lore section with regards to how this entire universe came to exist. So it does a fantastic job of just putting that up front. Like, here it is, everybody. Here's what you're getting into. This is how this world came to exist. 
This is how this world is structured. These are the major players. This is who are important right now. So that's fantastic. And then you get into kind of the gameplay aspects and how you create characters and so on and so forth. And that's where the book stumbles, but the book stumbles the same way that every RPG book stumbles that I've ever read. And that's that you don't really have in any of these books, a very linear path that you can take that shows you exactly what happens as you're playing the book. I mean, as you're playing the game, excuse me. And the reason for that is because that certain parts of the game only come into contact with your play at certain parts. So you focus on, you know, the basics. And then after you have the basics, you have to put in, you know, the exceptions to the basics, you got the rules and then you got the exceptions. You've got what your, what your basic characters are made of. And then you've got how you create those basic characteristics and there's no really good way in any of these games that I've ever read, in any of the games I've ever played, there's no good way to just simply give you a linear A, B, C, D, E, F, G. There has to be some mixing and matching. And so even though it stumbles, it doesn't stumble in a unique way. It stumbles the same way that every one of these books stumbles in that you'll read something, it won't make sense. And then a chapter or two later, it'll make sense because what you needed is not presented in that first context, but is presented in a later context. With a lot of these books and RPGs, it's easier to play the game than it is to read the book almost always, right? right. But even if you're reading the book, what, you, what I've seen is I've got to read a section five or six times before it really truly all clicks. Now, granted, I'm talking a lot about Dungeons and Dragons when I say that. And even now there are times when I'm looking at something in Dungeons and Dragons and somebody says, do X, Y, and Z. And I say, I don't even know where the hell that is. And I, I have to go back and try and find it, which brings me to the last bit of the layout that I will really, really say is nice. And that is that there is a good index at the end of this book. Tom will be happy to hear that. Yes. So you can, you can go to the index. You can find the things that you're looking for through that index. So I, generally, I think that the layout is very good, uh, good to very good. And the only stumbling block it has is the same stumbling block that I've seen in, in most of the RPGs, if not all the RPGs that I've ever read. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, so now we're going to give a, a kind of a rating and we go on a C minus to an A plus rating. This is something Tom put together. But again, we hear the RPG category, we only talk about things we love. So if something was going to get less than a C minus overall, then we probably just wouldn't talk about it. I don't think Dune falls into that for you, but on a, on a rating of C minus, which is like, eh, not for me to A plus, this is the most important thing in the world to me right now. Where does the art and layout of Dune Adventures into the Imperium fall? So for me, the art and layout gets a rating of a solid B, which is right there in the middle. Uh, and I would qualify that as being good. Okay. So B is good. Again, it's passing. You know, again, we are an academy. We're a school of some sort. And if somebody gets Bs, that's not too bad. All right. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the fluff. And this is basically the story stuff that comes along with the game. Now, when we talk about other supplements, like a D&D &D supplement, for example, the fluff here is 
the new NPCs that are introduced or any like lore behind a magic item or like what is the mystery and is it interesting? With this book, we're basically talking about Frank Herbert's Dune and, you know, all the associated other books that I think his son has written some or at least someone within the publishing house. There's more books that have come out. There's multimedia. I think there's games. There's a 1984 movie. There's a new movie about to come out. So I guess what I'm asking you is, do you like Dune? I love Dune. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the fluff in this book, I was very, very happy with. Um, the first section, the first big section of the book through page 84 in the book is really excellent, concise background that you need to understand the history and the known universe of Dune. And it will take you all the way through to when this particular book, the uh, the default setting of this game is, which is essentially right before the events in the first book of um, of Dune by Frank Herbert. So that's good in and of itself. I would be happy with it. I wouldn't be ecstatic, but I'd be happy with it. But then there's this nice thing that this book does that I wasn't expecting probably should have been. But when you get to chapter nine, which is a big chunk later, chapter nine is allies and adversaries. And in that you get a bunch of potential NPCs, houses, things that you can dig into for your game. But I would suggest to you that that's more than that, because it also lays much more of the background for you with regard to the entire world of Dune, with regard to the Dune universe, Frank Herbert's Dune. I mean, the things that you have in Allies and Adversaries are, first of all, they're just cool. They're super cool for somebody that's read the book, somebody that's seen the first movie, somebody that's seen the uh, miniseries that was on sci-fi in the early 2000s, I think. Somebody who's looking forward to the new movie it's really cool to see the stats of individuals that you know, or that you're aware of, or that you've read about, you know, you get Paul Atreides stats. If you want to, if you, if you want Paul Atreides to be in your game, there's stats. It's cool. Baron Harkonnen, there his stats. It's super cool. And that's cool as a fan. But the thing that I think is really, really, really cool about it is that it takes, it gives you information within those blocks, within those stats, within the way that it tells you about the houses and those individuals, it gives you information that would be applicable to you as not a fan in helping you understand further the, the Dune universe and the game that you're getting into. So that fluff that we start out with just this lore in the beginning and we think, oh, that's good enough because it is, that's good enough. You can play the game from that point. But then we've got like just a little extra. It's like, it's like the, uh, the icing on the cake, right? It's like mm -hmm. the a la mode with your pie. It's the it's the it's the uh, the ice cream that goes with your hot pie. It just mixes so well with that first section of the book, and it creates a really dynamic way for you to understand the universe of Dune and how you can play with it. Excellent. So for someone like me who has not read any of the novels, have not seen any of the movies, have not, did not watch the miniseries, I have heard online that very broad, big picture for, for a, 
a neophyte like myself think Game of Thrones meets Star Wars? Would you house it that way or would you give any additional caveats or, or context in that for someone like me who doesn't know anything about it, but like trying to figure out, okay, what is what does it mean to play in Dune? Is that a good starting place? Uh, that is perfect. Okay. <laughs> that is the perfect elevator pitch. In fact, I literally told a friend of mine the exact same thing a couple of days ago. Like you took words that you hadn't seen me write and said them out loud. <laughs> but that that is what Dune is. Dune is Game of Thrones with Star Wars. Throw them together and that's what you have. The emphasis of the story is more of a Game of Thrones political, but you have these really cool, fantastical creatures and science fiction that mm-hmm. comes into play and that's the star wars aspect of it put it all together and you have dune fantastic all right so i guess i know the answer but i'll ask anyway so what's what's your overall fluff rating for this book so this is the highest rating i've got in my entire review this is an a plus for me i think it's fantastic excellent all right and then we move on to crunch and crunch is basically the mechanics of the game and the system. So again, referring back to D&D supplement, usually here we're talking about any new spells or any new magic items or any new feats or character classes or subclasses or anything that might've been added to the game through this book. And here we're talking about a, a whole game. And I think we should have mentioned this is by Modifius Entertainment. Um, it was also sub-licensed from Gale Force 9. I don't, it, that was something in the blurb they sent me. I don't know why that's important because I'm stupid, but case anyone out there needs to know so i don't even know is this a, is this the 2d20 system that they use for like their i think conan uses that is that what mechanics we are and and how does the game work then i know we're, you're going to rate it but i as someone who doesn't know if i want my character in dune to shoot a laser pistol or jump a pit type of thing like how do i do that so um i'm when i'm talking about the mechanics here you'll have to forgive me because i'm going to be extremely vague and there's a very good reason for that. But yes, first and foremost, yes, this is the 2D20 system that Modifius uses in some of their other games. I've played this system one time, and that was a Star Trek game, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. But when I was playing the Star Trek game, something that happened on a fairly regular basis that I can see happening on a fairly regular basis within the system is that you can almost always pose what you want to do in a framework that allows you to maximize the dice that you roll. So when we say 2D20, that's like the minimal that you start out with when you're rolling your your D20s. And depending on different situations, you add dice to that. And then you have to get successes. So you get successes when you get under. It's a roll under. Um, you'll love that, right? Mm. <laughs> it's a roll under. Um, you have critical, critical, critical successes on a one, critical failures on a twenty. They're not called critical in either way. I don't think. I'd have to go back and reread that particular part to see if they use that word. But what that amounts to is that when you roll a one, you're getting two successes. When you roll a twenty, you're getting more complications. You don't actually fail per se. You can fail, but you fail forward. That's how it's, a lot of it's presented in that aspect. You can fail outright, but if you're failing outright, it only really means that what you're trying to do doesn't move the story that your game master is presenting forward. Because if if the story needs to move forward, then you'll fail forward. 
Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But what you have is that there's a focus. And if you can bring your focus into what you're trying to do, then it allows you when you're rolling dice to have critical, to have more, more chances at critical successes. So your focus is a smaller number. The number that you're trying to get to is your focus plus your characteristic. Um, again, I'm not sure about the actual words. I'm probably totally screwing this up. I'm sorry, Modifius. But you're adding these two numbers together and you're trying to get below that number. So you are creating your own limit of what you're trying to get to, which is where it becomes interesting because you do have the ability with how you phrase things and what you're doing and how you're trying to get values that you have and things that you have into a scene, you have the ability to make it easier for yourself to succeed, to give yourself in some ways a higher number, and then in other ways, more dice, so that you're getting a higher number that you have to roll below, below, and you're getting more dice to roll below that higher number. And of course, there is a mechanic for the, for the GM to make it more difficult. There's a threat mechanic a momentum and a threat mechanic. Momentum is something that you can spend as a player to make it easier. Threat is something that your GM can spend to make it more difficult. So there are there's a little bit of a balance there. But the flip side of that is that it's very narratively driven. And at the end of the day, you do have a built-in way of kind of breaking the game to some degree. And when you have that focus, that focus is a smaller number. If you can bring the focus into play, then when you're rolling those die, you get critical successes if you roll below that focus number, not just a one. So if your focus is a six and you're rolling six and below on one of those die, like you had two die together and that's why it's 2d20. So if you roll the die and you have a, I don't think you would have a focus of six, so four, and you have a three on one die and a six on the other die, and so you have a nine, which is below what you're trying to get to anyway. So you have one success, but you're actually getting two successes out of it because you have that three in there. I'm totally butchering the system because the way it's presented is confusing. Okay. Which goes to really my, my major complaint with this book and the system in general. This is a system that was a lot of fun for me to play when I was playing it with Star Trek. I was just a player. I was listening to the GM the GM was literally telling us what to do almost every single time. We'd say, I want to do X, Y, and Z. He'd say, cool, what do you have that you can use? And we'd say, well, I can use this and this and this. Okay, you're going to roll. You roll and he would tell you, yep, you did good. This is what you did. You need somebody with a lot of understanding to run this game. Could you get there reading it? Sure. I couldn't get there in one read. I, I will tell you that. There's no way I could run this game right now. I could go back and spend my time rereading the the structure of the system and i think maybe about the fourth or fifth time i'd be comfortable saying okay i can maybe run a one shot let's see how this goes but up until that point it just it just is it's really complicated for me and i don't know if it's me personally or if it's the way it's written i think the issue there is that you've got a system that's so narrative heavy and narrative heavy systems are a lot of fun, but you know, the simplest narrative heavy system is what powered by the apocalypse. Um, and that system is about 10 times simpler than this system. <laughs> mm. 
they both are trying to do the same thing, which is give you as the player a lot of agency in the game. And that is really cool. I like that. I like that idea. I like games that give your player a lot of agency. Um, I played a one-shot D&D game once that was frustrating because every time I tried to do something cool, which may not have been something that was smart, but something that sounded cool in my head, I would say, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And I would be told, well, you can't do X, Y, and Z. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, then I'll do this instead. All right. But under this, in this 2D20 system, if I said, I want to do X, Y, and Z, you would say, okay, you can do X, Y, and Z. And you can always do X, Y, and Z. Uh, same thing with Powered by the Apocalypse, but we're talking about this system instead. So you can do X, Y, and Z. Um, how are you explaining to me how you're doing it? What are you using? What's, what's your motivation to do this? Oh, my motivation is, what's your, are you using a focus? Yes, I am. I'm using this. Like you would, we'd have this conversation about how mentally you're doing this and the mental and the physical kind of add together. And then you have, okay, well, this is what you're rolling. And then you have your successes, your comp, your, your successes and failures, complications, and you go from there. And that makes probably as little sense when I say it out loud as it did to me when I was reading it, but it's, it's really it's a cool concept. I don't know about how it's executed. Right. So, again, I've played the Star Trek game once that I ran. And I don't think it was the one you played in because I wasn't nearly as confident to tell you what you <laughs> what it sounded like the GM for your game was. And I also struggled with this system because it is very different from what I'm, what I'm used to. It doesn't mean it's a bad system. It just means I don't have enough familiarity with it. But this is a system that a lot of games are using. The Dune uses it. Star Trek uses it. Conan uses it. The new Fallout game is going to use it. So I'm going to ask, and and the answer maybe you don't know. That's totally fine. But do you know from your read of anything that is specific to the Dune version? Were there any tweaks or adds or subtracts to the Dune 2D20 system that is not in the, the standard 2D220 system? I'm fairly certain that there is, but I could not tell you. Okay. All right, fair enough. Uh, but for anyone listening, if you're already familiar with 2D20, you probably will have a leg up on this system. If if not, this is not the show we're going to give you that familiarity. I know there are probably other shows out there that have done more rule breakdowns. There's probably some actual plays you could go listen to. I'm sure Modiphius has things on their website to help you figure it out. But, you know, I, I think any of those narrative games it's a little bit of a give and take between the DM and the player. And, you know, if that's the sort of thing you're into, then you probably can find some enjoyment from the system. But Al, you get a chance to rate it now. So when it comes to crunch in this book, what, what rating did you give this? So I'm going to qualify this by saying that even though I was thoroughly and totally and completely confused, and obviously that came across in this conversation that we're having right now, I still want to play this game. Okay. It's just that the confusion that's built into it makes me, I have to be honest with my ratings. And so I give it a C plus. Okay. I give it a C plus because I like the idea so much that I want to play it, even though I don't understand it at all. Fair enough. All right. So then we come to our overall rating. So taking all the things we talked about before, art, layout, fluff, crunch, and then just any other sort of things that, you know, that roll into it. What do you think of the game overall? And what is your final overall rating? 
So my, I'm going to go ahead and get the, the, the rating first and then I'll get into it. But my, okay. final, my final overall rating is a B plus. I think that this is a book that if you are interested in the elevator pitch of Game of Thrones plus Star Wars, you should go get. Even if you know nothing about Dune. If that, if that, if we say that out loud, or you read that and you think that sounds cool, I want to see what this is about. This is a book that you should get um, because it is really, it's really cool. If you're a Dune fan, you have to have this book. <laughs> you really do. You have to have this book if you're a fan of Dune because it's just, it's so cool to see something that you love presented in a way that will allow you to jump into the story and create your own stories and be part of the story. I mean, it's, it's really cool. So overall B plus, and I really think that you should go out and get it. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for doing the review for us. I do really appreciate it. Certainly thank you to Modifius for sending us the digital copy to, to do the review. And, um, there will be links in our show notes, so if you want to go to Modifius's page and purchase a copy, you can do so. We don't have any sort of affiliation with them, so we don't get anything from that. I'm just putting the link there to make it easier on you, the listener, if you want to go check it out. I will put our Amazon link in there. That is just a generic link. If you click on that and then you just go to Amazon and buy anything you want, it doesn't have to be RPG-related. You can buy your groceries or a new computer or new shoes or whatever. Anything you buy when you use our link, we'll, we will get a small percentage of that through our affiliation with them. And I also have links to our drive through RPG and DMs Guild. So same thing, anything you want to go buy there, if you click our link first, it just helps us out a little bit with a little bit of monetary support. But yeah, other than that, any final words, Al, before we sign off here? No, I was going to try and come up with something quirky and, and witty about Dune, but no. How about if someone out there listening is an expert at the 2D, 2D20 system and would like to run a game of Dune for Al, Please. why don't you reach out and where could they find you online if they wanted to, to do this for you, buddy? Yes, please, please, please. I would love to play and I would love to have you explain the game better to me than the book does. So please, please, please. And you can get a hold of me on Twitter at Big Al the Lawyer. That's going to be the easiest way to get a hold of me. So yeah at Big Al the Lawyer on Twitter. All right. And I am Michael. You can find me at the RPG Academy. If you have a book you would like for us to review, reach out. You can email me at the RPG Academy at gmail.com. Uh, or if you know a book that you love, even, you know, you aren't the one that produced it, but it's a game that you love or a supplement that you love and you think we should take a look at it, uh, email me that as well. We won't make any promises because sometimes we get things that we don't love and we just don't talk about them. So keep that in mind. And with that, we will say, Remember, folks, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. 
Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.